Oh, I muted myself. Oh, there we go. Woo, now we're too loud. Okay, we'll bring it on down. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay. Well, anyways, this morning we're in a really exciting topic for me. In fact, I'm going to have you turn there. But before you turn to this book of the Bible, I just got to say this, is that this book of the Bible, I mean, they're all special, right? They're all, the whole Bible is inspired. We believe, I believe at least, and I, we teach and believe here that God's word is preserved. It's inspired. It's true. It's infallible. It's, it's, it's the words of God. And although penned by men, we do believe that God's word, these are his actual words. This is his love letter to us. And so all of it is, is very special. But hopefully I don't get in trouble with God. But maybe these are a little bit extra special. I don't know if we can say that God, some words of God's are more special than others. But what we're going to be looking at here this morning is exciting. And for at least for me, I would look at the, these passages of Scripture and say, Woo, these, these, are, these, are the, these are the best. These are some of the best passages you're going to take a look at. And because really what happens is here is we're going to be covering a theme that's woven from Old Testament to New Testament through every chapter book of the Bible. It's completely threaded through. And and as as long as you're reading God's word, this theme shines through. So if you take your uh, Bibles and open them to the book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking at something that's very special. special. It's the incomprehensible. See, I can't even say it because it's so exciting. (laughs) The incomprehensible, overwhelming, unwavering, never failing love of Christ. So Ephesians, if you would, with me, open to Ephesians chapter 1. This won't actually be our text, but I just want to back up and show you that this truly is what we're talking about here. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, if you look down there. I'm sorry, actually, I'm going to back up with you. And I'm in Galatians. Man, we we got things to do here this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 and looking in verse 17. It says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... The Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches, key on that word there, riches, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And if we move forward, we look in Ephesians chapter 2, and down in verse 4, it says, But God, who is, there's that word again, rich, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, us, even when we were dead in sins, and and hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And yeah, amen. I like that. that. We need a little bit more of that. These are good. These are powerful scriptures. It's okay if you get a little amen. You know, we're not charismatic here, but if it comes, the spirit comes, it comes. All right. We can't help it. These are good words here. It says, even when we were dead in sins. So when we were, when we were dead and, and we could not offer anything to Christ and we could not have salvation and we were departed from God because sin separates us from God. It says, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us, made alive, that word quicken is to make alive, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, amen? Amen. 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 And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding, there's the word again, riches of his grace 
and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Those are exciting words to me. I don't know. That, and those words are to anybody here that's listening to that. Is that, hey, if you're lost, if you're undone, if, if you don't know your way, God does. If, if, you can't, if you don't know that you're on your way to heaven and that you, you say, I've just lived a bad life and I'm, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be knocking on the gates and they're not going to let me in. I've talked to people like that. They feel there's no hope for me. You don't know what I've done. Can I just say he hath quickened you and made you alive that he, when he died on the cross for your sins and paid the atonement that when you receive that, you have his great riches that he's bestowed upon us, the exceeding grace of God. And, we, and these promises are ours that to, to obtain. We can, each and every one of us, there's nobody in here that this does not apply to. We can all access this wonderful, these exceeding riches that, that they're, they're beyond our comprehension, uh, beyond our comprehension. And like I said, it's the incomp, uh, incomprehensible, overwhelming, unwavering, never failing love of Jesus Christ. It's something we're not fully going to understand. But man, it's exciting to preach about. And so I don't think I know that I don't have enough time. I don't know. I know that I don't have enough intellect or enough words and I believe that even the greatest uh, preacher that's ever preached, whether it be Charles Spurgeon or who, you go through the, the whole list of them, it doesn't matter. I don't think anybody can even hit the top of the iceberg when it comes to the subject of the love of Christ. We just can't capture it. Why? Because it's far beyond our comprehension. It's, a, it's an amazing thing here that we're talking about. And so then let's keep going. So look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, unto me whom, uh, this is Paul speaking here, it says, unto me whom am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And so Paul's saying, this is my ministry. This is what I'm preaching. Really, this is what the book of Ephesians... Now, Ephesians, I feel like, kind of uh, stops after chapter 3. It's almost like there... Maybe this is just my own opinion here, but it almost seems like there should be Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, like second, first Ephesians and second Ephesians. Paul puts both letters together, but I feel like Ephesians 1 through Ephesians chapter 3, you pretty much have an entire book in itself. Now, there's a common theme that threads through it, and like I said, there's a common theme that, that threads through the entire Bible here. But Paul is really saying, this is a ministry, and I want to preach it to you, so I have something to teach you, and he's talking about the unsearchable, the unthinkable, the unattainable uh, riches of Christ, something that we cannot fully understand. And, that, and Paul says, this is my ministry to preach unto you these words. And here's where we get into our text, is Ephesians 3, and we'll be looking through uh, verses 16 through 19. It says, that he would grant you according to the, what's that word? Riches of his glory by, uh, the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God." These are some exciting words. All the full, listen, just that last verse. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, 
Those, those words right there alone that passeth knowledge. I'm saying this is something that we cannot, as human, human minds, we're limited. We cannot fully understand the love that God offers. It's something that transcends what we can even offer ourselves and what we can understand. And, and this is something he's saying, these are the riches of Christ, this love of God, this love of Christ. This is a rich, riches are something that you can obtain, correct? If they weren't, then there wouldn't be riches. The riches need to be able to be possessed. We can possess the riches of the love of Christ. These are ours to have. That's what's so exciting is he's saying that these riches are so great, so wonderful, that you can't even comprehend how wonderful it is. And guess what? They can be yours. The in, that God indwelling in us will give us this love. Now it says, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye, ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's some, those are, I'm sorry, but that's just exciting to me. I, I get excited about these things, and, and then I have a hard time staying on point because I just get so excited that these are, these are the riches of, that Christ is offering to us, and we all have the opportunity to obtain these riches. And to know the love of... Now, now, one thing, let's not look over this, and I'm going to get back to this, but where it says, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. See, see, there's the love of, that's possessive, of Christ. This is a love that belongs to God. It's a, it's a love that is God's. See, because there's the love of God, and then there's God, man's love to God, or man's love to others. We all uh, express some kind of characteristic of love very natural that even uh, whether or not you're saved or you're lost we all express characteristics of love i'm not going to stand up here and say that the lost that don't have christ have no expression of love that 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 would be a foolish thing to say i know plenty of lost people that love one another one another they love their children they love their spouse they there's characteristics of love there but this is a special kind of love it's a little different than the love we have to offer this is the love of possessive to Christ and that's the love that we're speaking about this morning and so in homiletics uh, when I when I was back at Heartland Baptist Bible College we there there was a class my favorite class and I'm I'm actually looking into maybe uh, when, when I was in there, they were taking a video of the class, and so they allowed us, uh, they take that video and then they sell it as, as, as a course. And I'm, I've been contemplating retaking that course because out of everything I took at Heartland, homiletics was the class. And it was pretty much the art and science of how to uh, not only interpret passages of Scripture, but how to portray them and preach. It's a preaching course, okay? And, and along with homiletics is another fancy word that we can throw out there. It's called hermeneutics. And that's how to rightly divide the word of God and find out. What was neat about taking hermeneutics is it doesn't just apply to preaching. It just applies to your day-to-day reading of God's word. Understanding what is God's word trying to say. So in hermeneutics, we would learn something. There's something called a CIT, Central Idea of the Text. So as we would read through a passage of scripture, we would learn how to preach what is the central idea of the text. It's really easy to get off on rabbit trails, and it's easy to preach a springboard message where you find a couple words that are kind of catchy, and then you just jump off on them, and then you never really back in the Bible for the rest of the time. And, and what Hermeneutics does is says, wait, now, before you do all of this fun, crazy stuff, let's pull it back. What is the biblical writer trying to say in this passage of scripture? And so you could develop points all different kinds of ways. And sometimes you can start with one thought, one idea, 
and then read the scriptures around and see how they base upon that. And you can build your idea from inside out because there's, there's themes and ideas and thoughts that build upon each other. It's part of actually, if, if you're good in, in English, which I need to refresh myself, but if you're just good with language and understanding how nouns and prepositions and verbs and all that stuff, you have a, a subject and you have a complement and things like that, right? So th- this is nothing biblical here that I'm talking about. I'm just talking about educationally, we would understand that when you look at the human language, when you look at the English language, you take different structures, and they all build upon each other to create like a, 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 an idea. It's, uh, it's got a drive. It's pushing towards something. So as we read the Bible, uh, you can start from, you know, one verse has a, a central idea. A single verse will have a main idea. And that main idea is now within not only that verse, but within a paragraph. So it's probably supporting a main idea that's threading through that paragraph. But then the paragraph is part of a chapter. And that chapter usually has a main idea too. So we would have to find what is the main idea. And the bigger the passages that we're covering, they're having only one main topic. The main topic, the bigger you go, the more important or the main driving force that CIT has. Are you with me? Or am I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not explaining this right. But So you go broader and broader. And then, so you, then you have chapters and then you have books. And so Paul may have a major theme of an entire book, like the book of Ephesians here. He might have a major theme. And so each supporting idea is leading to and threading to trying to drive through one specific point that when you go, when you're done reading it, you go, that, that's what he's talking about. He said a lot of things, but he was trying to say this one thing. And so what's, <laughs> this is why I'm so excited because it, I would say that if we were to do that, what we're talking about, this, trying to find the CIT, and we find the idea, okay, what is Paul saying here? Okay, so what's he saying in this ch- passage? What's he saying in this chapter? Okay, now what's he saying in this book? Now what's he saying in the New Testament? Now wait a minute, what's he saying? What's God saying throughout the entire text of the Bible? And it's for us, for us to see God's display of his love to us. That's what this is. That's the central idea of the text. If I'm going to give it to you right now, it's the display of God's love to man. That's just what the Bible is. And he's done that throughout his entire word. And so there's a few things we know when it comes to love. We know that first God made love. Because obviously first, uh, Colossians 1.16-17 through 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things that... Things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And within that creation is love, something that God designed. In fact, we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. What's the very first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love. The love, (laughs) a special love that comes from God. And so God created love. I would even venture to say, and sometimes I don't want to say it because there, there's a, a, a wind of believers these days that are very prosperity and very no judgment, no hell, and no wrath of God. And, and we only focus in on one point and we just say God is love. But that actually is a true statement, that God is love. I mean, regardless of how people want to uh, misuse that phrase, it is true. God is love. Now, within love, love has, a different, uh, char- love has different characteristics than sometimes that we want to assign to it. We know that the love of a brother, that iron sharpeneth iron, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
It says that there's a love that actually hurts your friend. Why? For his own betterment. There's a love that says, I'm going to spank my child. Why? Not because I hate them or because I want to hurt them. It's because I want to correct them and admonish them. So there's different characteristics of love. But, and so we can't just define love as this fuzzy feeling that makes us feel okay at the end of the day. And that's all that God is, is just love. And say it with the... I've got to be careful how I say that, but... Yeah. Love. God is love. No. Love is a very is it a very important term that needs to be defined, and we're going to do that. So, but I just want to start by saying that we know that God made love, and I believe we could even venture to say that God is love. The next point I want to say is, and it's even found within the reading we've done already, is in Ephesians chapter two, verses four through eight. God displays His love. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love. Wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of grace in his kindness to us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Can we just say the greatest display of love that man can ever venture to describe would be that of Christ's death for our sins. His blood that was shed. He, I mean, we're talking an almighty God that easily could have just said, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to make another one. All he had to do is speak it. Really, all he had to do is just think it. And boom, we're gone. New creation. Everyone's following and worshiping him. Did he do that? No. He said, I love my creation. I love you. Individually, each and every one of us, he loves. With a passion so great that he was willing to send his only son to come down and be brutally murdered on a cross, despised, rejected of men, and put on display for all to laugh, a mock, naked, in front of all of them. He did that for us. Why? Because he loves us. And he showed us what love is. That is the display of love. If we were to define what is the greatest act of love, that a man laid down his life for his friends... That, and that was displayed by Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins. So he, he made love, he is love, he displays his love. But what I want to argue here this morning is that true love, true love. <laughs> I've been uh, trying not to quote too many phrases from, what is it, Princess Bride. I, I'm going to be officiating... <laughs> I'm officiating a wedding for uh, this next week. Uh, I'm flying down to California, Temecula, California, and Alexa's sister's getting married, and they asked if I could. And so I was like, oh, I've never done that before. So uh, anyways, I won't go into details. I want to save time here, but I, I've been trying not to use this. For, I, I want to so bad in my officiant speech be like, <laughs> marriage is what brings us here together today. I just, I don't know. I might do it. I might get in trouble. I'm not sure. we got to do it. <laughs> But true love, and what I mean by true love is God's definition of the word love. Not our definition of the word love. Because there's many definitions of what love is. I mean the true definition of what love really is. True love is only of God. And you go, wait a minute, Brother David, that's a little extreme. Brother Jeff, I'm about ready for that. If you want to get started on that illustration we're about to have here. True true love is only of God. God. You would say, well, that's, that's a little exclusive. There are a lot of people that 
don't believe what you believe. So you're just saying that only if I believe what you believe about Jesus. I mean, what about the, you know, uh, what about Jehovah's Witness or what about Buddhists or what about different beliefs and doctrines? And yeah, you know, and we all, they all have common goals and they believe that, you, you know, look at, and I've had this argument. Look, they're good. They're, these are good people. And they're not hating anybody. And they're, they're kind. I mean, look what the Jehovah's Witnesses have done to help people, the Mormons. And, and they, they have acts of love and kindness and all of that. And so you're saying that just because you believe in one thing, that you, only you can experience true love of, that God offers and they don't have it? And that just seems preposterous. But, and that's an arg- argument that comes up. But it depends on what your definition of love is. So... For illustration here, I'll explain. Why don't we bring them up? This today we are actually celebrating Duke's first birthday. Oh, that's sweet. Duke's first birthday. It's not today. It's on the 22nd. Come here, buddy. Duke's first birthday. Oh, come here. Oh! What's it say here? Mr. Wonderful, isn't he? Anyways, get used to it, buddy. You're going to be preaching one day, right? You got anything to say? <laughs> Oh, hey, can do that. <laughs> it's easy display. It's, sorry. It's easy to be displayed love when you're holding a child. Because God did a special thing. He made it, he instilled it in us that when we have a baby, we just love them. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, what, where you're from. When you got a baby, you just, I was just talking to Melody. It was funny. I saw her, all the girls were gathered around. They were looking at some picture. And I look over and I see this this blob. Sorry, Melody. But it's a, it was like a blob, and it kind of took the resemblance of a child, and it was one of those 3D, what are they, you know, whatever you call those things? Ultrasounds. ultrasounds, thank you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you weave. It was one of those 3D ultrasounds, and she, I look over, and I'm like trying to figure out what it is, and she goes, that's my daughter. Isn't she so pretty? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that's a human? Okay. But that's just the way we are. We just love them. You know, Duke got sick, and I, I got pictures of him, and I was just so sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm wiping his nose. And, and with, you know, with a baby, you can change their diapers, and that's okay. And, oh, hey, come look in here. He's, he's, he's trying to walk, or he's slobbering on himself. Oh, this is great. And we just eat it up. We love it. It's, e- it's easy to see love display. And we'll wait up. Th- Alexa will... I say we, I gotta say Alexa, because I sleep through the night. Alexa will be up all hours of the night and take care of them. It's okay. We'll endure. We'll put up with them. They're, everything about a child, we're, we're ready to do. And we see the care. What do you think some of the characteristics of love are? Like, for instance, sacrifice, sympathy, forbearing, and, uh, and affection. Affection's easy. We love affection with children. Where, where'd Brother Jeff go? You can probably take him now. Say goodbye. Say happy birthday. Okay, here we go. He's going to go back. And... Anyway, so, so, so that's pretty obvious, easy. We, we love our children. But it can get more difficult to love. Is uh, Yeah, you're in here. Come on up, David Erickson. Isn't he a sweet child? No, wait, wait. Don't come up too high. I like you on lower steps. I like feeling taller than you. You can come up here that I get short. David's a great young man, right? But, you know, he comes home from football practice, I'm sure, and the jock strap stinks, needs to be washed, and his football clothes are all muddy and dirty, and he's eating out the fridge, and, you know, he gets a little, they get a little bit more difficult as teenagers because they have strong wills, and they want to do things, and, you know, David's a good kid, right? You're a good kid? He's good. I, Dave, actually, I do mean that. David's a great kid. I'm proud of him. You can go be seated, David. Uh, but I just wanted to say, 
as they get older, it gets a little bit harder to some of these natural affections of, you know, sympathy and kindness or whatever we were doing for baby Duke might translate and get a little bit, a little bit faded, a little bit pressed as you get older. But guess what? Not for mama. Mama Erickson, she loves David. She still babies David. She still makes him cookies and takes him to football practice. She still does all those kind things. But, you know, like when I'm holding Duke, about, just about anybody in the church could come up and go, oh, he's so cute. Oh, I'll change his diaper and, you know, whatever. But not for David. Ain't nobody volunteering to, you know, wash David's dirty clothes when he comes home from football practice. And so some of those natural things of affections of love start to, to, you know, get a little bit, a little bit less. But let's even take it further than David. Let's just say somebody that maybe is a stranger that we don't know quite as much. And then you have that affection is a little bit less. Well, obviously, you don't know them. And, and then maybe your sacrifice. You just have that annoying coworker. Come on, we all have one. The annoying coworker. I got several names coming to mind right now. And, and it just gets to a point where love is just not naturally or easily as displayed for some of these people. And so sometimes I just kind of choose not to love people as much. And so I, I fail in areas of love. And then even you have... There's people that are still close to you, for instance, like your spouse. Now, you love your spouse. There was no doubt about that. When you got married, you go, oh, I'm just head over heels. I love you so much. we got to be together. And all these great displays of roses and, and letters and romantic gestures and affection and sympathy and care and desire and passion. And then you meet, you know, you get a few years into your marriage and some of that starts to dry up and it gets a little bit more difficult and it's harder to show some of those attributes of love, those characteristics of love, and, and, and you fail. And, and you might have times where you come to, to heads and, and you feel like, man, I, I know I love, I'm choosing to be with this person, but just some of the natural, those characteristics we were talking of love, they're just not there. And that's typically what you hear when a marriage breaks up is they just say, what is it? I just don't love them anymore. I fell out of love is the words that we hear, that we fell out of love. But there's something different about God's love. Is that God's never said any of that when it comes to love. Because we know that God's love doesn't fail. God's love is is un- it transcends these things, all right? So uh, I, I'm, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we're talking about the struggles, right? We're talking about the struggles with children because we know that even though we naturally love our children, there, come, children, there comes a time in some parents' lives where they just don't know how to child rear anymore, and you see neglect in the family, and you have kids that don't have parent, parents that are together or working together to try and uh, influence them in a, in a positive way. And so uh, I know plenty of kids now that they just don't have a father father or they just don't have a mother or they come from a split family or there's just not that time and effort spent on the kids and there's neglect and and there's a a lack of love in that family that can happen and there's also like we were talking about with marriages and I'm stealing statistics from Chip because he's the statistician he always has stats they're great so these were from actually his Sunday school class this morning he was talking about uh, 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 whatever you call it that was taken out they were taking stats but about 40 percent of saved now, we'll even we'll enter the circle to Baptist, okay? Saved Baptist believers, 40% of them are getting divorced. 40%. That's where we're at. You look at uh, church attendance or people like teenagers that, you know, that after they get on their own and they've grown up in church their whole life, the statistics show 75% no longer return to church. You're done. 
75% that are failing at loving God or loving their, their church or there was some hypocrisies that made them leave or there was some hardships or they were sick of being told what to do or whatever reasons they go on and on. But can I just say that that's 75%. That's, that's not very good. So we may deceive ourselves in saying, I do love, I have love, I love people, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my neighbor as myself, as Jesus said, and that's what I just do. But ask these questions to yourself. Does your love wear you out? I would say, yeah, there's times my love wears me out. I think we all say there's times where you just feel worn out from trying to love people, because loving is hard. All right? It's not easy. Love is not, like I said, it's not a fluffy feeling. Sometimes it's a lot of sacrifice. So does your love wear you out? Yes, it wears me out. Does your love, uh, does your love wear out? Not just wear you out. Does it just wear out to the point you're, you're done? You're done with it. I quit. Has that ever happened where you love something and you just choose to quit? How about does your love ever waver? Or how about does, does your love ever doubt? Do you ever doubt or do you have fear when it comes to the ones you love or how you love? Is there fear? I would venture to say that the love that comes of God, these are not characteristics that are displayed by the love of God. See, there's a word called charity. And in, Ephesians, in fact, you can turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm sure you're all very aware this is the love chapter of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we have a word called charity. And charity is another word for love. And if we were to go back to the, to the original language that this was written in, that word is actually agape. And there's different, kind, different words that were used for love. And agape would be the strongest love. It would be the love that we're talking about here this morning, the love that God provides. And so we have a definition from Paul himself saying, what is love? In verse 4 it says, Charity suffereth love. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 if you're there. Charity, or love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Can we just stop right there and just say that we can probably all fail at love with that definition right there? Seeketh not her own. Because... <laughs> When we love, usually we want something in return, right? Seeketh not her own. Hey, get this. For those of you that are jealous, is not easily provoked. (laughs) Thinketh no evil, right? Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. How many things? All things. It beareth all things. There's nothing that can conquer love. It bears all things. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. That's not a question. That's not a suggestion. That is a fact that is black and white written there in God's word. It's not a fuzzy area that we know that by the definition of God's holy inspired word that charity never fails. Guess what? I've failed with love. I've failed And I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we have all failed in areas of love in our life. Wherever you may be struggling with your expression of love, I can just say that if if your love is rooted in self-discipline and doing what's right, and and you know, okay, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to be disciplined, and we know that love is this and love is that, so okay, I'm going to do this. And some of us are a lot better at displaying these acts or these characteristics, and so we're, we're really disciplined in it, but it wears us out, and it gets hard, and then we just get to this point where we're burnt out because I'm just kind of tired of loving people 
people. And at the end of the day, I've showed love to my family. I showed love to, you know, I showed love to my coworkers. But now that I'm home, I'm done with love. Break from love. Everybody, get out of my way. Don't talk to me. I'm worn out. I've been loving too much. I felt like that. <laughs> felt like that this week. <laughs> it happens, right? Our, our love fails. Our love, characteristics of our love, just they do. We fail. We're weak in our love. But not the love of Christ. I praise, I praise, I'm just so thankful for that. Because, you know, I've failed God so many times. I've made some big boo-boos in my life. I've made mistakes. And I look at myself and I feel not worthy to come to God for all that he's done for me. But can I just say that God's love has not failed me yet? Not a single time, not once, that God's always been there for me. He's always been faithful. And if I'm to read this uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, this is a love letter written to me. And I read these words and I rejoice. Why? Because he, 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 he doesn't think evil of me. Because he rejoiceth not in iniquity. And he beareth all things and he endureth all things. And when I mess up, he still loves me. I'm thankful for that. I hope all of us are thankful for that. That's, that's part of that uh, incomprehensible, uh, unwavering... I was trying so hard to memorize that, but it just throws me off. What is, let, me, let me read it here again for you. It is the incomprehensible, overwhelming, unwavering, never-failing love of Jesus Christ. That's something to rejoice about here. And so that's why when we read Ephesians chapter, uh, th- these verses that we're going through, it's so exciting because it's the common theme throughout the Bible that as mankind has failed Christ, failed God over and over every single dispensation, whether or not they're in a perfect garden, whether or not they've been given human government or human law, or God displayed miracles in front of them, or pl- split the Red Sea, or you know, walked on water, or made the leper to walk. It didn't matter what, how he displays himself to man. We fail he doesn't. His love is always good to us all throughout all time. Timeless. It's incomprehensible because it, it transcends time and it, tra- it, it transcends any obstacle that may come up. God's love never fails. So perfect love, charity, is something that is of God. You know, hopefully we can, 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 can we say amen to that? Is that true? Is that right? Would we all be on the same page to say that I'm not just on a, on a you know, I'm not just on a springboard here. I, I really do believe that there's scriptural evidence to say that actual true love is only of God. You cannot experience what true love, charity, agape love really is without his son, Jesus Christ. Because it's of him. You cannot have it without him. And we know, according to 1 John 4, 19, that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. That's the amazing thing. What did God ever see in me? I don't know, but he saw something. And he said, that's willing for me that I'm going to die for. And I'm going to atone for your sins. And he showed me that love. And so I received that love. And guess what? Now that I have his love, I have the opportunity to allow that to bubble over in my life and affect the ones around me so that now my love is no longer inspired by Self-righteousness, discipline, hard work, making myself, I'm going to love today. No, it just comes out. When you let God love inside of you, it just overflows, and you can't help but have the fruits of the Spirit, which is love. If you don't have love in your life, if you're struggling with love in your life, can I just say it's because you're not tapping into the source that provides true love, and that is the indwelling Spirit of Jesus Christ in your life. That if you do not have that, you will fail at loving people. 
And, and because we're fickle and frail, there will be times that even though we access this love that God provides, that we will falter and we will fall short. And will there be times where we're not close to God like we, we, should, be, like we should be? So we're not walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit so, we, so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so in those times when we're not walking in the Spirit is when we fail at loving those around us or loving our neighbor as ourselves, or loving our children or loving the lost or loving even those that hate us and revile us. We should love everyone, right? But we will fail as long as we do not walk in the Spirit. Yeah. Why? Because our love is not God's love. It fails. We are failures. We just are. We fail at loving. But God doesn't. That's what's so awesome. Our everyday acts of love should not be, uh, should not be based on self-will or discipline. Like, for instance, let's just say you get up early in the morning and you're fighting back sleep. And today I'm going to read God's word. That was a great decision. Stay after work, off the clock, and you're helping a, a struggling co-worker and, and get through some hardships that he's having. Or you might rally up the family late Wednesday night. To go to church when you just want to go to sleep or, or watch television. Or you're, you're cleaning the church bathroom. Or you're fixing the lights. Or you're, you stay late for choir practice. Or maybe you're, you're faithfully giving that tithe in the offering plate. And when that goes by, I'm just curious, what is your motivation for doing it? Because all of those things are wonderful things that I believe we should all be involved in. But if your motive is, well, self-righteousness or discipline or hard work or I'm just going to be a good Christian, which, you know, I think a lot of us, it's easy to get wrapped up in that mentality. If that's your driving force, you'll get to a point where you just get burnt out and you fail and you don't want to do it anymore. And it's too hard. And look at all I've done. Look at all I've done for you, God. And is it not enough? That's the attitude that comes up. But when it's just like, wow, I'm saved. I'm, I've been forgiven. I have, I, once where I was dead, now I'm revived. And now I am alive in him. And his love flows in you. And you can't just help but have gratitude for the love that God has shown you. That that love is going to overflow. And you're going to want to be involved in these things. And that loving others will not wear you out, but it will build you up. There's times when you just... When you sacrifice for others and that love is coming from God and you feel that, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it's, it's not something that when you're done doing it, you come home and you go, wow, that was just too much. I can't do it anymore. No more love for the kids tonight. You go, wow, I am, you're, you're excited. It's great. It's an amazing thing. It's empowering. It's not something that sucks the energy out of, out of us. It's something that puts the energy back into us is the love of Christ. It's a motivation that's far better than guilt. It's a motivation that's far better than, than law or having to do anything. It's a, it's a motivation that says, Lord, I am thankful for what you did for me. And it just shines out and it's the fruit of the Spirit. See, when our love ceases, His love increases. When our love fails, His love prevails. Cute, huh? <laughs> it rhymes. I was thinking about it. I was trying to think of some more, but you know, it was just getting too quirky. So I stopped with two. Those are the only two. When our love ceases, His love increases. And when our love fails, his love prevails. And that's just true. So we're getting back into our text. And, and believe it or not, you guys aren't going to believe me on this one. This one's true. I'm, I'm like wrapping up here. I've been working on trying to keep them short. I'm sorry, guys. Ephesians 3.19. So turn, turn back to Ephesians chapter 3. So in Ephesians 3.19, once again, where our text is at, it says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. There, there, there is that word again. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. 
Once again, we're speaking of that love. It's that incomprehensible, overwhelming, unwavering, never-failing love of Jesus Christ that can dwell in the hearts of only those who believe in Jesus Christ and have accepted him as their personal Lord and Savior. That's how we have access to that. You say, you're talking about this amazing love, and, and, and the, way the, the way that Paul speaks about it is even greater than what I've given it representation of here this morning. Is th- th- This love is the great exceeding riches of God. So here we have Almighty God, creator of the universe, and he knows how to create the perfect utopia. He knows how to create the perfect amount of sac- satisfaction in someone's life. So if you were to say, God, can you give me the greatest riches that you have to provide? Limitless power to provide something of greatest magnitude. And he's deeming it as love. This is his greatest riches that we could have the love of Christ indwell in our lives. And that that love in our lives, he calls it that ye might be able with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. These are huge words. I don't have enough time to expound on these words, but can we just say all the fullness of God? What is that? I don't have time to say what that is, but it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing, all the fullness of God, and that we may have His exceeding great riches that we can't even comprehend. And what is this? It is the love of Christ. And so if we were to have an invitation here this morning, and I was to say, you can come up here and have all the fullness of God, and you can have all of His exceeding richness. If you accept His love, it's free. It was paid for. You do nothing but receive it. You would be an absolute disconnect. I'm trying to think of a a proper word to use here. You would be absolutely disconnected or uh, free of any true logic to say, no, I don't want that. It's okay. I can have it. It's good. I I got a good, what I got going back home, it's pretty good. I don't need that. No, that would be insanity. But they see, that is the offer that we have here this morning. And if you don't have this indwelling love of Jesus Christ, can I just say there's going to be a time here where we're coming up and you can ask Christ for free this morning. I mean, this is not a sales pitch here. This is true. This is the real deal. It's out of God's word. You can access this love. And believe it, if you're already saved, but your love is failing and dying and having hard times and there's struggles in your life, can I say that we still have this access to this indwelling love of Christ. We can have access to this fruit of the Spirit and it will change the way you live. It will change the way you interact with your friends and your family and it will, it will make a difference in your life if you receive that love and allow it to overflow in your life. It will change you in a mighty way which is, which is unspeakable and incomprehensible. So with that, I'm going to read this story and we're close. In 1955, many of you are probably very familiar with this, with, with this story. But if you're not, here it is. Jim Elliott, Ed McCauley, Pete Fleming, and Roger Eudorian. So, you know, uh, if you can remember this story, these, these five men. Actually, where's Jim Elliott and, uh, oh, it got, it got cut. Uh, Nate, uh, Nate Saint. Nate Saint's not in here, but I know Nate Saint's one of the men. So we have, the, the, the two ones that are, that are key that most people know about are Jim Elliott and Nate Saint. But there was other men that accompanied him. It says, these men began a missionary work in Ecuador to the Aka Indians. This was a remote, savage tribe uh, that were completely cut off from the world and completely oblivious to the love of God. In fact, they were savage. They would kill each other. There was tribal wars. There was murder. They were completely naked. I mean, we're talking about just as, as remote as you can absolutely get. That was this. And these men 
had a passion or a desire God put on their heart to reach these people. And so these five men devised a way to swoop down and deliver care packages from a small plane time and time again. They discovered a way to attach a basket to a long rope which hung from a little, dis, uh, which hung from a little plane, like a Cessna plane. As the plane would circle around, Nate Saint was skilled enough. He, he, he served in the war, and he was, a, he was a pilot, and so he was able to navigate the plane really skillfully, and he would come down uh, and swoop low. It says he was able to, skilled enough to drop the basket on the ground off of this long rope and circle around. As the, ro- as the basket would stay on the ground, he could circle around. It would stay on the ground without floating. And so they, would, they discovered a way, to, they put stuff in this basket. They discovered a way to, for the basket, the long rope, which hung from a little plane as the plane would circle around. Nate Sate was skilled enough to drop the basket on the ground long enough for the tribe to remove the contents from inside the basket and then retrieve it. So after a while, the Aka Indians returned gifts like a feather uh, headband and even once a trained parrot. That's pretty interesting. After two months of doing this, the men decided to, to make contact and touch down next to the clearing uh, not far from the village. For, for three days, they continued to visit, bringing gifts, and showed love, and hoping to one day share with them the gospel. In fact, they even took one of the tribe leaders up into the airplane and flew him around. He thought it was great, really exciting. So they're, they're, this is awesome. I mean, this is groundbreaking what they're doing with these, this remote tribe. But it was on the fifth day that one of the tribesmen made a false accusation of the missionaries. And although the men were armed with guns, they laid down their lives as they were speared through by, one, uh, by the one they came to rescue. You can only imagine the way that Nate's sister, Rachel Saint, and Jim Elliott's wife, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliott, must have felt as they received the news of this cruel and senseless murder. Yet the same love that drove these men to lay down their lives was the same love that drove these two women to continue to the Aka Indians. It was through the love of God that was displayed by these missionaries that this tribe was reached for Christ. We later find out that the very man that speared Jim Elliot was reached for, the, for Christ personally by Jim, Elliot, by Jim Elizabeth Elliot, his wife. And you read that and you go, what did they have to gain? What did they have to receive out of this? This is something supernatural, folks. This is the love of Christ. It transcends, see, where, where, where if, you, you know, if I was to be speared through, Alexa's not naturally going to go, I can't wait to reach out to these people and tell them all about Jesus. It's not going to happen. And her level of love, in her level of love, it's going to fail. She's just going to say, forget it. She's going to harvest bitterness and all that. But if she accesses the love of Christ that we're speaking of here, this, un, this unfathomable love that Christ has to offer it says, no, we still need to reach it. And it was because these men died and laid down their lives. And when the Aka Indians saw that the, the very women that were affected by this still came in return, they go, wow, there's something different here, something we've never seen before. You know what that was? The love of Christ. It's something that's, that, that can't be understood. And so this incomprehensible, overwhelming, unwavering, never-failing love of Christ, it transcends all obstacles except for one. There is only one obstacle that it cannot transcend. And that's your willingness to allow it to come into your life. Because Christ will not force it upon you. He will not say, you have to fall down and worship me and love me. He will not. And so you have every right to walk out of here this morning and say, no, that's just not for me. And that's okay. 
but you will never know what it is and you will never experience the true, full, indwelling love of Christ until you're willing to receive it. Let's have a time of offering here. If the music would play, I'd ask you to close your heads and